Thank you, Jesus. We want to declare tonight that you are all we need. Whatever the situation is, you're more than enough, Lord. We just ask you to speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, help us to repent where we need to repent. Lord, that means to have a, a change the, the way we think. Lord, if we're thinking wrong, Lord, that's where it starts, between our ears. And so, Lord, help us to just break through any old mindsets, any, any lies, any uh, thing that has been programmed in there by the world, even by family members. Lord, we want to have you renew our minds, Lord, and it'll agree with what your word says. Lord, we'll begin to see ourselves as you see us. So just help us to do that tonight in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus one more hand clap. Thank you, Pastor Nick. Thank you. Amen. Okay, I'm going to talk about grasshopper or giant killer. And I, we're going to go to Numbers 13. Most of you should know this story. But we're going to kind of hit a few verses, so make sure everybody's up to the same speed here. But in Numbers 13... The Lord, in verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel, from each tribe of their fathers. And you send a man, every one a leader among them. So that's the plan. They're going to go to this place called the promised land. First send some spies, scout it out, see what we got uh, there. Then go to verse 23. Then they came to the valley of Eshcol. And there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshcol, which literally translate the Valley of the Cluster. That's it. It's the word cluster. So the, the Valley of Eshcol, the Valley of Cluster. Because the cluster which the men of Israel had cut down. And they returned from their spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told them, told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell there in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jezebites, the Amorites, the Pepsilites, the Millerites, all of them dwell in the mountains of the Canaanites, by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take the possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, so we were in their sight. Really remember that one. Now I'm going to skip to verse 3 and 14. Because first of all, in verse 1 it said, the children of Israel just cried all night. They cried, they moaned, they groaned, and they wept. And in verse 3, Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Egypt is always a picture of the world. Now how many here has God delivered you from the world? Brought you out of the darkness into the light. You saw a distinct difference. Now, I promise you, every one of you here have been through this rite of passage or have gone back and forth a few times. 
But the world symbolizes the bondage, the sin, the slavery we were in. And a lot of us, you know, we were... I mean, I was a slave to those things that I thought would make me free. I mean, in college, you think the alcohol, the booze will make me free to communicate because I was fearful, afraid to talk to girls, drink a little bit, take the edge off. Man, I'm free to just be me. Little did I know that freedom has a price, and pretty soon you become a slave to that thing. And basically, you're, you're just being an idiot, but don't you realize you are? But all those things, and you end up in bondage. And then God sets you free. You come out of that darkness. You come into the light. You cross over that Red Sea experience where you, you pass through. And then there's that little wilderness journey. Maybe every prayer does not get answered. Or maybe the enemy, all of a sudden, now you become a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And maybe he tries to oppose you. And what is sad is, when that wall comes up, that resistance, many, many people say, I, I'm just going to go back to Egypt. I just want to go back. It's like sometimes a, a guy that's been in prison a long time gets set free, gets out of jail, but everything is so uncomfortable he doesn't know how to handle it and he almost kind of self-destructs to get himself back in that place of familiarity, even though it wasn't a good place. And I promise you, when you hit this wall, and if this happens anytime you go to another level. And a lot, you know, the big level's coming out of that darkness and just being saved. But you usually hit a wall. And don't quit, don't give up. Because it is a very real wall, but it ends up being a smoke screen. And it, what seems like a real wall, so if you have faith and keep your eyes up, you end up through it and you go, oh, wow. And that's when you start seeing the blessings. That's when you start experiencing what we're talking about, this land of Canaan, okay? Because Egypt is the failure zone, Canaan is the success zone, okay? And Canaan is not heaven, okay? Because there's no giants in heaven. So this is something we can attain. To me, Canaan represents all those promises we have in this Word. And there's over 7,000 promises in here. So I bet there's just a couple of them for you and me. Amen? But that's, Canaan basically, basically is a symbol of our dreams, our goals, our places of victory. It's success territory. That's what Canaan represents. Now, everyone should have a goal. Everyone should have a dream. God intends that for us. Just like Abraham had a dream of a son named Isaac. Joseph had a dream to be prime minister. Solomon had a dream to build the temple. The Israelites had the promise of Canaan. And then Moses sent out the 12 spies to scout out the land. They all saw the land rich with milk and honey and giants. They all saw that, right? Here's the thing. Ignoring the giants didn't make the reports good or bad. Okay, because we kind of have this mentality, and it was kind of preached through the 80s, that you know, if you're going to really be faith, you don't say anything negative, you don't even admit any of the circumstances, or that could be a, uh, you know, a bad confession. But listen to Joshua and Caleb. First of all, all 12, including Joshua and Caleb, recognized that there was giants, correct? Even the faith boys, Joshua and Caleb. See, faith living is not ignoring the obvious, okay? If you recognize the problem, you're not admitting doubt. By just recognizing the problem. Matter of fact, yeah, I'll get into that in a minute. Paul admitted once that Satan hindered him in 1 Thessalonians 2.18. Peter spoke of an adversary in 1 Peter 5.8. Jesus in Matthew 4 did not act if Satan didn't exist. Okay? So ignoring things does not make them go, go away. Ignoring cancer won't make it go away. Ignoring your financial problems is not going to make it any better. Ignoring any, ignoring any marriage problems, it's, you know, that's, things are not going to disappear by just ignoring them. Okay? The sinner, first of all, you have to admit something exists before you can confront it. 
And I, I challenge you in your marriage. If there's a problem, admit it. Get some, seek some counsel. You know, first just come together, man of the house. You know, take the initiative, ask for forgiveness, find out what's up. But I mean, you got to admit it before you can uh, confront it. The sinner admits his sin and the need of a savior. For the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come in your life, you have to admit that you're empty, that you, that there's more of God, that you have an experience that you need, and that you're open and hungry for God. See, all 12 spies had faith. Follow this. All 12 spies had faith. Ten had faith in the giants. Two had faith in God. So it's where we put our faith and we put our energy. It's not that, you know, mentioning the facts, I mean, that's not the issue. But at that point... You know, what do you do then? Okay? See, ten were giant conscious and two were God conscious. Ten came back moaning, did you see the size of those giants? Well, Joshua and Caleb came back licking their lips. Man, did you see the size of those grapes? It's a whole different perspective. Ten were grasshoppers, two were giant killers. They were grape testers. Here's a little nugget. You'll never reach the palace talking like a peasant. Our words will reveal our future. See, your conversation reveals whether you're a giant killer or a grasshopper. Whether you're, I'm just going to use the term winner or loser. Okay? Losers major on their problems. Winners talk about the possibilities. Losers discuss their obstacles. Winners look at them as opportunities. Losers talk disease. Winners talk health. Losers talk about the devil's achievements. Winners talk about God's victories. Losers talk like victims. Winners talk like victors. Losers have a slave ship mentality, and winners have a sonship mentality. It's all, I mean, it, it's right up here at the men's ramp. And if you've been there at all, when you hear Damon Thompson speak, he talks about we need to repent. How many have heard that? Repent for the kingdom of God is here. And we've all been taught repent is you change of direction. But really, you break it down, we learn, it's a change the way you think. Because what happens up here determines your direction. So you can change your direction, but by willpower, you're eventually going to go back the other way. But when you really repent, ask God forgiveness, allow Him to change your mind and the way you think, that's going to determine the direction you go. And it'll help you walk it out. The Bible is a book of pictures. It gives you a picture of God. It gives you a picture of the devil. It'll give you a picture of who you are. Would you agree? So you choose one of these possibilities of who you are. So are you going to believe or look at the picture and say, yeah, that's me, based on what you think of yourself, based on what somebody in authority, maybe a parent, thinks of you, or maybe what the devil thinks of you, or are you going to look at the picture of what God thinks of you? Because that picture comes through here. And if you look at it, it'll paint a picture of who you are, how much He loves you. That if you'd have been the only person on this earth, that He loved you so much that He'd have died just for you. And I'm telling you, we're seeing the great, I'm seeing some of the greatest, um, you call them deliverance, change in character and lifestyle, coming when people, the truth comes in. And they realize, we're seeing, we have a ministry called Sozo, that uh, Kevin Moat and Steve Oglesby, our cameraman, are leading. And basically, it is just a time them and the Holy Spirit and you come and basically the Holy Spirit begins to bring up things, could be from your childhood, whatever, that are lies. People that have spoken things over you, perceptions you have of God, a picture of Him based on your earthly father or all these. We all look through these glasses that are distorted. We can't get a clear picture of who God is. And whenever you get that revelation of just how much He does love you, 
it just changes what you think about yourself. You begin to realize how valuable you are. And the gifts and the things that God's put in you, it, it can just really change everything about you. See, the ten spies said we are like grass. At first, they saw themselves like grasshoppers, and they said even the giants think we're grasshoppers. See, people who say, I'm not worthy, I'm not anything, I'm just, you know, and it's just all that moaning and groaning, it's like they go to the first church of the grasshoppers. Nobody here, right? Not at all. First of all, did God make you? Does He make junk? He does not. And you are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. I mean, with you and God, you're a majority. You might feel like a zero, but God's a, you know, He's number one, and that makes you a ten, which is what we think of the high standard. You're God's created. You're God's creation. You have worth. You have value. He put seeds of greatness in you. He put seeds of success in you. Faith, power. So you've got to act like it. You've got to live like it. And don't use God's name in vain. Here's what I mean. And this is where I'm pointing at you. And when I point at you, what's happening? I've got three pointing at me. Because I'm telling you, I'm not good at this. Has anybody said, man, I am so stupid. I am... I... I, I Catch myself. But what am I saying? I am. What's God's name? I am. I am so stupid. And we're made in the image of Christ. I mean, I really, my wife and kids have to remind me all the time. Because, you know, I just do something wrong. Oh, this is just kind of a natural response. But I mean, really think about that. You know, I just sometimes say it out of fun now. But how many of us say it in faith? Because maybe a parent has spoken that over us. You know, you'll never amount to anything. You know, whatever that is. You, you know, and those things can just, and that, that, you can just lean on that and it becomes truth. But is it the truth? Not according to the Word of God. And that's what we got to believe. Do we have the mind of Christ? That means we are super brilliant, correct? So let's repeat after me. I have the mind of Christ. I am amazed at my brilliant mind now in operation in my life. I'm not a grasshopper. I'll not talk like a grasshopper. I'll not think like a grasshopper. I'll not live like a grasshopper. I'm a giant killer. Amen. Okay, now I want you to think about what do you see? You got it. And here's the problem. We got to get our minds off what we don't have and get them back on what we do have. And you think about Adam and Eve given a whole garden. There could have been... 10,000 different types of fruits and vegetables and trees. Could have been 20,000. And they had access to everything. But what does the enemy do? Well, there's one th- he points on the one thing you can't have. The one thing you don't have. And somehow you think you're missing out. And I'm telling you, when we live in this society in America like we do with the TV ads, I mean, you don't have the latest technology. You're just, you're nobody. You know, if you go after this super dream of, you know, the big house and the three-car garage and the three and four cars, I mean, pretty soon you become a slave to this whole mentality. I'm telling you, I heard a testimony of somebody that it was their first years of marriage. They were over in Poland or somewhere, and they just had, they learned to live on very little. They were, um, it was just a whole different mentality over there. And when they came back here, they didn't get caught up in that trap, and he wrote a book, he's on the Today Show, How to Live on a Teacher's Salary. And it was just it was just one man and the wife wasn't working and they were happy as could be. They didn't get caught up in that trap. But so many times, even in our personal lives, talents, gifts, whatever, we begin to focus on what we don't have instead of what we do have. 
Why do we focus on what we lack instead of what we possess? See, I believe there's a time you need to reach for what you don't have, and that which seems impossible. You need to strive. You need to reach for those things. But then there's a time to sit back and create an atmosphere of thanksgiving for what you possess right now. I mean, just, sometimes you just got to stop. I did a whole message on stop and smell the, stop and mow the spearmint. And it was just in our yard, we've got some little spearmint plants that just kind of grow. And when I hit them with the mower, it just releases that spearmint. And it, it takes me back to the carefree days of my uh, Uncle Ed and my Aunt Joe on the farm, no cares. And my aunt would go out there and pick the spearmint and she'd boil it and make some tea for us. And just kind of, you know, just one of those moments just to pause and reflect, man, I'm a blessed person. And there's always something you can find uh, to thank God about. So you've got to stop magnifying your problems, start magnifying your God. Is that scriptural? Magnify the Lord. And not that He needs magnified, but we need to magnify Him, you know, in our minds and our thoughts. Because sometimes our mountains become bigger than the mountain mover. And so we've got to stop exaggerating the power of the devil and start emphasizing the power of God. Start bragging about what God is planning for you today. Don't you think God has some good plans for you? I mean, look in the Word. The thoughts I have for you, right, hope, future, those kind of things, he, He's got some great things. So start planning tomorrow's victories. Now, here's the thing about the grasshopper complex. It'll destroy your faith. It'll stop the, fl- the faith flow. There needs to be a flow of faith in your life. And when you go, start getting that mentality, I mean, it'll just stop that flow. And how do we access heaven? How do we pull things out of heaven? It's by faith. So this whole battle, this whole thing called church, Christianity, is a battle of faith. The enemy, he wants to steal your faith. If he can get your faith, he can stop everything else. Because how do you receive answer to prayer? By faith. How are we going to heaven? By faith. This whole thing called Christianity is by faith. Because we don't see who we serve. Do we? We can't see Him. We well, sure see the effects of it. Because I say this many times. You can argue philosophy. You can argue religion. But it's hard to argue a changed life. That's how I, one way I know there's a God. It's like once I was blind, now I see. Once I was in darkness, ooh, now I'm in the light. Once I didn't have peace, now I have peace. But the Word says that when you press into Him, He will manifest Himself when you seek Him. I mean, he'll manifest himself in a way that he'll become very, very real to you. We've got to get a giant killer instinct that we are greater than the enemy. Correct? I mean, with Christ in us, we are a God house. Think about it. We are a temple of God. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. A couple things about God's house. Look in Revelation. It'll tell you about God. There's a gate. Wherever God's house is, there's His presence. There's a ladder, angels ascending and descending. I mean, wherever we go, literally, we can bring the kingdom of God. Well, I mean, heaven right there. The presence of God. Angels ascending and descending. I mean, we can bring healing. We can bring, I mean, everything God wants in His Word can begin to manifest and flow through us. I don't, I'm not there yet. But I'm getting closer. Kevin, I know he's getting closer. God's showing and revealing and saying, man, I mean, how many believe in prophecy? How many have experienced prophecy? I mean, many in this church. Why? Because way back about 10 years ago, we brought a man with the gift of the prophetic. He came, he prophesied, we go, wow. And with me and my wife, like, how did he know that about us? 
And the real test is now when he gave us a word about having a new home with a pool and a fence around it and storage, you know, that was great, but it didn't happen seven years later. But now we can look and all that's happened. I said, ooh, that really was a man of God. But that word gave us something to fight with. Because it was a battle going from that rented house that we they doubled the rent on and then having to live with uh, Faye Tarter and her mom and her seven cats and all of my children in somebody's house for a while. But he's faithful. But now that we take the prophetic for granted in a way in this church because at any time I could grab Kevin Moat right now. You pick somebody to prophesy out. Matter of fact, I already felt the Lord give me a word. What's your name? With Joe's sister. Uh, Joe's sister. What's Joe's sister's name? Marty. I got it now. Hey, what's your name? Teresa. When we were singing a song, this is a word I heard over you, trouble. Whatever. There's been some trouble. Or there's trouble hanging over you, trying to wear you down. And we sang that song, there's an end to your trouble. And I, I'm not saying there's going to be an end to anybody's trouble because we just live in this world. But I believe there's going to be a shift Things are going to look totally different. And God says He's there in the midst of these troubles. He really is. And I think there's just going to be something happen where God's going to reveal His love, where something's going to shift, and you're going to start seeing, you know, that, that cloud's going to blow. As a matter of fact, I declare that cloud is off of you right now in that darkness in Jesus' name and that hopelessness. And you're going to just start seeing God's... Everywhere you turn, you're going to run into the love of God and realize how much He loves you. You really are. Where'd you go, Kevin? What I heard was relationship. God is wanting to restore some relationships, some broken relationships and strained relationships that he's going to fight on your behalf to straighten these things out that you have been asking here lately as of late to God, I need help. And he says, I'm on my way. I'm not only am I on my way, I'm here. I'm doing here and now. I'm, I'm going to rearrange some things in your life with these relationships I'm going to uh, move on your behalf. I'm going to change some attitudes and some hearts that have been hardened towards you. And he's going to fix some things that seemed as though they could not be fixed. And, and it's going to be just to show you his love for you. And this is the scripture that I heard. He is a very present help in time of trouble. Because when you said that help, that was it. So where's that scripture at? Wherever you find it, write it down. That is your scripture. He's a very present help in time of trouble. And that word present stands out as his presence. And that's what you're, that's what's going to make the difference. You're going to sense his presence being there in the midst of these things. And when his presence is there, nothing else matters. Because mountains will melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. Did any of that bear witness a little bit? Yes, no? Yes, okay. Now, I mean, we kind of move in that because we have faith for that. The Lord's really beginning to challenge Kevin. Why isn't it like that for healing? Does God want to heal? Just like you can tap into that. Why can't, let's just tap into that. So that's our challenge. I mean, does it begin to, I mean, literally bring heaven wherever we go. And to see that, I mean, does God want to heal? Yes, it says it in his word. Um, t- man, talk about uh, a great soul winning tool. Man, somebody gets healed. I mean, that just, boom. They'll turn the city upside down, won't they? Amen. Okay, see where we're at and we'll finish up here. Hallelujah. Okay. We have to quit looking at the failure photographs 
that this, that the enemy shows us of our yesterdays. It's like the enemy has a, uh, a photo album. Oh, remember this? Cody, do you remember this? Remember, you know, was, was that a stupid move or what? Huh? Can you believe? But that's what he'll do. If God looks at it, what he's going to say? I, I don't remember that. And then God will pull out his book. Oh, hey, this is what I see. I mean, I see you having victory in this area. I see many young people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of your testimony and what you're doing. I mean, whose, album, whose photo album are you going to look at? And which one's really the truth? I mean, it is God's. Here's a little nugget. Stop looking at where you've been and start looking where you can be. The grasshopper complex is destroying Christians. It paralyzes the faith flow. It is stopping the praise atmosphere that brings the promises. I'm going to say that one again. It'll stop the praise atmosphere that brings the promises. See, we, we need to talk like conquerors, not complainers. We need to major on the opportunities, not the obstacles. We need to talk about the size of the grapes, not the size of the giants, because we're not grasshoppers. Now, you can tell a grasshopper by how they answer this question. How are you doing? Or how are you? Because it's, oh, and it goes into this detailed description about how bad things are. Now, I'm not saying we just cover up everything. And too many times as Christians, how you doing? I'm doing great. And we put on that smiley face. But there are certain people you need to be honest with. But in a general sense, I mean, this is every day sometimes for some people. It's just all kinds of things going on. Uh, they talk about all that's wrong with them. They emphasize what's wrong instead of what's right. And here's a little nugget. Your words are deciding your future. Okay? Grasshoppers talk about how they've been mistreated. Well, people don't understand me. You know, my teachers are all against me. My coach, man, he didn't even recognize my talent I have. He always puts me on the bench. And it's just constant. It's about a victim. It said that in, in that verse 3, about how we're victims. We need to go back to the world. And you get that victim mentality. And there's lots of victims stand before judges. I mean, you hear that a lot when you hear a judge start to talk. Uh, it's always somebody else's fault. And, I, and a lot of you have reason to be upset. You have been a victim. But you can either live in that mentality or you can turn that into an opportunity to do something. And it all starts with, and Steve Oglesby will interrupt me in a minute, have them ask for forgiveness. If they've been a victim, they need to ask for forgiveness. Why? Because that way, if you don't ask for forgiveness, it's just like when you say, I hate you, Mom. Like if you have a mom or a dad, I hate you, I'll never be like you. What do you end up being exactly like them? Because you bound yourself to them. And until you forgive them, you'll never be released from that. And so, I mean, forgiveness is the key for freedom. I mean, that, boom. And that's the only way you can go to heaven is to walk in. Because we had to ask God to forgive us for some terrible things. So we need to walk in that forgiveness. But it, that, that's a huge one. Grasshoppers have a list of people that cause them to fail. They always have excuses for the lack of victory. They cut down people who walk in victory. See, whenever you go to another level, there's always that goop you're hanging with. They'll start, all of a sudden, they'll start criticizing you. They want you to come back down. Just calm down. Don't get all Jesus freaky on me and get all, you know, come back down here. That's in any sports, school, anything. When you start just kind of going to another level, they'll try to cut you down. Grasshoppers refer to their children ages as this terrible twos instead of the terrific twos, right? You looking forward to the terrific twos there, Ryan? Amen. How old is he right now? Six months. you got a ways to go. But it's kind of a mentality. I'm kind of over-exaggerating, but it's a mentality. It's not, and a lot of these things are not that easy, but we got to flip the switch. 
in our minds, from grasshopper to giant killer. Your future depends on it. You can change. God will help you. He's given you the power of choice. He says, you choose. And I'll tell you, these things are life or death. And you choose. We have to, this is something we have to do. We have to cast down imaginations. That means we get imagination, but we have a choice. Am I going to entertain it? Entertain it? Am I going to repent and change the way I think? Am I going to cast it down? I'm telling you, there's times my old man, my old life will come up and I might get a thought back in college. You know, I could start entertaining that, but I don't even want to go there at all. See, I have a choice. I can play that out like a movie in my mind, but why go there? I mean, I don't want to even relive that stuff. Listen to these last verses. Proverbs 23, 7. As a man slash or woman thinks in his heart, so is he. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot going on here between our ears, how we think. And in some cases, how we are programmed to think. That's why we need to renew our minds with this washing of the water by the Word. Proverbs 18, 20 through 21. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from what? The fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it eat its fruit. There's a lot right in there. I mean, other than just life and death and the power of the tongue. But I mean, even as far as your stomach and being satisfied. So you have to feed the giant killer mentality. You've got to feed that. You've got to starve the grasshopper mentality. I mean, that's one way to defeat the enemy. You just cut off the supply lines. I mean, whatever, just sin in general. If this thing caused you to sin, you cut it off. The cable, the TV, the whatever it is. You know, you just, that's, that's one way to do it. You just cut it off. I mean, the Battle of the Bulge, these big German tanks were going around. They were chewing up the little American tanks. And what did they do to finally win that battle? They went to the supply depot where all the fuel was and blew up the fuel. All of a sudden, the big tanks ran out of gas. They couldn't do anything anymore. I mean, you cut off the fuel, boom, that's the end of it. But the thing is, we keep putting fuel in. And but definitely put fuel to those positive things. Uh, you know, the giant killer mentality, I mean, this is one way to get big. You read the Word. You'll get strong in this. Put yourself around giant killers. Put yourself, choose your friends wisely. The people you hang time with. Yeah, we're supposed to reach out to everybody, but there's those that you, you give your time. You've got to be careful. And you've got to watch, you've got to discipline yourself what comes in the ear gates and the eye gates. Because that's what feeds this thing called the mind. That's what gives the enemy, you know, the building material to build his strongholds. Is what you put in. So, you know, just discipline yourself. What's coming in, what's coming out. Ask the Holy Spirit, He'll help you. He's on your side. The Holy Spirit wants you to be successful. Wants you to go in and get those promises. Because I'll promise you, every promise there is, there's a giant sitting on it. Saying, this ain't yours. Healing's not yours. No, 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 no. And he looks big and he looks a giant, like a giant. But I mean, have we not been given authority to drive those giants out of there? But a lot of times it is a battle. And sometimes you'll knock them off and they'll try to get back on again. But do we have the victory? Amen. And I tell you, there's some things I'm fighting. I'm going to go down to the last day where that giant comes down or not. I'm telling you, I'm going to leave this world in faith that it's coming down. Amen? If it's like Caleb, when I'm 80 years old, then I say, give me my mountain. I mean, hallelujah. Okay. Let's finish up here. I want you to be assertive. I mean, dare to be assertive. Dare to step out in faith. Believe what God can do to you. And as we close, 
I mean, which photo album are you going to look at? What are you going to meditate on? Because, I mean, there's all these pictures going through our minds. There's all these words that have been put there. And some of them have, the enemy has built his strongholds with those lies that somebody spoke over you. Those lies were the lumber to build that little fortress that that little demon of fear is hiding out in and says, I have right to be here. Until the truth comes and the truth it destroys those strongholds. And then you have the opportunity to walk in freedom. Or unless you just want to... I mean, it's amazing the stories, the different analogies and stories I've heard of in just a simple way, like the jail door opening up, but the people just continue to live in that area. Even though they could walk out, but just choose... You can see that with sometimes with animals. I think it's the story of the elephant that was chained to the pole and would just walk around that certain area. And after so many years, you could take the chain off and it would still do that because it was so used to it. Amen? Well, I'm going to stop right there. Father, we just want to bless you. Lord, we thank you. You've created us to be giant killers. But Lord, not just in our own personal life, but Lord, there's giants out there that are coming after our young people in the schools, the drugs, the alcohol. Lord, there's all these giants in this city, Lord, that are just keeping people from church. Lord, help us to be those kind of giant killers where we establish your kingdom, Lord. But Lord, we just need to see some personal victories a lot of times. You know, just to be able to free us to be able to go after you and after souls. So, Father, I bless each person in here. I declare them a giant killer for the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, over the mountains and the